0: If you're able to remain standing please do so just for a bit longer either way take your Bibles and turn to Exodus 28 that's on page 68 if you'd like to use a Bible from the church there should be one right in front of you Exodus 28 thank you guys for leading us this morning as we have the privilege to sing praises to our God all of the songs that we are singing this morning were written by ladies I thought that would just be a, an interesting uh, take on Mother's Day, uh, and I, I, don't, I don't know if you felt it and picked up on it, but uh, uh, as as ladies express worship to God through song, uh, there was a lot of heavy notes of affliction and uh, sorrow caused by people like us. But uh, uh, and, and yet and yet these songs also uh, had strong notes of comfort and hope that's found in the Lord Jesus Christ and so Exodus chapter 28 um, I hope to read most of the chapter I'm just not going to do it all in in uh, one swoop I think I'll begin in verse 1 of chapter 28 and and uh, get us down to verse 15 and then we'll try to uh, verse 14 rather and then we'll try to pick up the rest as we make our way through our time together this morning this is God's word for us and here's what God says Then bring near to you Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the people of Israel, to serve me as priests, Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, Ithamar. You shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty." You shall speak to all uh, the skillful whom I have filled with the spirit of skill, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him for my priesthood. These are the garments that they shall make, a breast piece, an ephod, a robe, uh, a coat of checker work, a turban, and a sash." They shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, and his sons to serve me as priests. They shall receive gold and blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. And they shall make the ephod of gold, of blue of, and purple and scarlet yarns and, and of fine twined linen skillfully worked. And it shall have two shoulder pieces attached to its two edges, so that it may be joined together. And the skillfully woven band on it shall be made like it, and be of, uh, be of one piece with it, of gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet yarns, and with fine twined linen." You shall take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel, six of their names on one stone and uh, the names of the remaining six on the other, in the order of their birth. And as a jeweler engraves synods, so you shall engrave uh, the Two stones with the names of the sons of Israel. "'You shall enclose them in, in, in settings of gold filigree. "'And you shall set the two stones "'on the shoulder pieces of the ephod "'as stones of remembrance for the sons of Israel. "'And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord "'on his two shoulders for remembrance. "'You shall make settings of gold filigree.'" and two chains of pure gold twisted like cords, and you shall attach the corded chains to the settings. You may be seated. Father, thank you for your word. Now, Father, as we look at this word that we've read and this chapter that we will cover, Father, teach us, sow us wonderful things about the Lord Jesus Christ from this passage. Father, we would pray not only that we receive information from Your Word, but that through Your Word, you You would transform us, for we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Two things I want to cover briefly in our moments together this morning. Uh, the, both things revolve around the, the brunt of this chapter, which described the priestly garments that the priests of Israel in the Old Covenant were to wear. Uh, I want us to look for a moment at the details of the priestly garments. We've begun reading about some of those details But then I want us to note as well some of the design of the priestly garments. Chapter 28 describes the garments that the priests of Israel were to wear. In particular, uh, uh, the garments that the high priest of Israel was to wear. And in this case, it starts out with Aaron. Aaron is the first high priest in Israel under the old covenant regime. Chapter 29, which we won't touch on very deeply, uh, picks up on the same theme of chapter 28, whereas chapter 28 deals with the garments that the high priest is to wear. Chapter 29 deals with and pertains to the special sacrificial consecration in other words, it's going to take more than special garments to set aside the priest to be a, 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 a qualified leader of, of worship and, and the sacrifices that go into consecrating. Aaron as a high priest. And then later, we won't touch on these, but if we were to dip into chapter 39 of the book of Exodus, um, whereas chapter 28 gives us the instructions on how to make the garments, chapter 39 follows that up and and reports back to us that, and those garments were actually crafted and made as per the instructions specified here in, in chapter 28. First thing I would have us do is just, uh, I mean, there's a lot of details here. I would just uh, direct us to lay our eyes once again on verse 2 of chapter 28. And you shall make holy garments... That's really what this chapter pertains to, working out the, the details of these holy garments. And yet, and yet, that's the first characteristic that we'll need to, to think about. Uh, these, these are not everyday wear. Uh, these garments sound weird to us as um, we hear them described. Well, well uh, they were somewhat odd even to Israel in the Old Testament. I mean, this is not what the typical Jewish person would wear to work. There was something peculiar and unique and uh, and uh, odd in in that sense about these garments. They were to be holy garments. They were they were garments that were worn for a special purpose. They that to be set aside for not common use but for uh, purposes of the Lord, as we'll see. But he goes on to say in verse two, and you shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother for glory and for beauty. Now, what's interesting, we haven't read yet, but if you will look over at verse 40 uh, of the same chapter, uh, it says there, and uh, Aaron's sons, uh, and for Aaron's sons, you shall make coats and sashes and caps. You shall make them for glory And beauty. So it's almost like a bookend here in this chapter. There's something profound going on about these garments, these holy garments um, are are to um, be characterized as that which is glorious and that which is beautiful. That, in other words, in these priests being set aside for this holy task and wearing the outfit to reflect that they are set aside for this holy task, they are to reflect in what they wear, in the, in the very design and what they wear, something of, A, the beauty and glory of the God whom they represent. God is glorious and beautiful. The Scripture's underscore that to us on, in multiple contexts and occasions. The, the the psalmist says in Psalm 29, the, the one thing I seek, that I may, that I may gaze upon the the beauty of the Lord in all of his glory. The, the Lord is gloriously beautiful. And, and, and yet we are made, humanity is made in the image of God, and so in that sense, when God placed Adam in the garden, Adam reflecting the image of God had something of uh, beauty and glory that was a part of, of his composition of being made in the image of a glorious and beautiful God. Adam was glorious and beautiful as well as a created being, and yet that glory and that beauty has been tarnished because of sin. And, 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 and yet here the priests uh, in their priestly role, role uh, are, are, are to reflect a, a bit of the glory and beauty of God and to reflect, uh, to echo back into a bit of the lost beauty and glory of God that mankind himself once fully and accurately displayed The other thing I would point out is uh, these are instructions for a priesthood. And this priesthood, it, the, these instructions for this priesthood is is found in the context of these chapters that pertain to the construction and to the operation of the tabernacle. And so, in that sense, some of the same things that we alluded to last week about the tabernacle is pertinent to these instructions about the operation of a, of a priesthood, and that goes like this. The Lord desires to meet with His people. It's a part of his goodness and his kindness that he would condescend and gather with his people, not that he is lonely and needy and empty, but out of the overflow of all that he is in his own self-satisfaction, in love and grace, he, 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 he creates a people and he desires to meet with that people because out of the overflow of his own being, he supplies that which we need, lest we be empty and needy and lonely. So, out of His goodness, He meets with people, and yet, as we noted about the temple, even the way the temple or the tabernacle was constructed, uh, uh, yet um, uh, sinful creatures can only come near to a holy God through a mediator and through a sacrificial atonement. And that's the context that we find ourselves in. The whole construction of the tabernacle was to make a way for a holy God to meet with a sinful people through the process of a mediator and a sacrifice. And, And now it is going to be the work of the priests to carry out those duties, to serve as the mediator and to offer the sacrifices so that... God could meet with his people so that the Lord's people could meet with him. And so these holy garments which are will be made from the same materials, gold and precious stones, the same yarns, purple and and scarlet and blue, the same fine linens. Uh, these priests are going to wear, if you would, uh, the same uh, materials that that go into the construction of these uh, of the tabernacle, and these garments begin to describe the mediatorial work of the priesthood, even before the actual work of the priests is fully described and laid out. Some of that won't even come until we would land ourselves in the book of Leviticus. Uh, But by way of description of the garments, we begin to see something of the function and work of the priests, of the high priests, of the priesthood. And so he says there, in verse four of chapter twenty-eight, these are the garments that they are to make: a a a breastpiece, an ephod, a robe, a coat of checkerwork, uh, a turban, and a sash. And then and then later down in verse forty-two and forty-three, we would m- maybe see a seventh article: the 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 uh, the undergarments, if you would, that the priests, the high priests, were to wear. Let me just give a brief description about some of these. In fact, I'll kind of start backwards there in in verse 39. Let me just read the first part of verse 39. It just quickly alludes to it. You shall shall weave the coat uh, in checkerwork of fine linen. So, in a sense, on top of the undergarments, the first thing that goes on is this long-sleeved, um, uh, oatmeal-colored uh, coat or or tunic, if you would, uh, uh, f- finely woven in a checkered pattern. And and then on on top of the tunic uh, goes the robe. Look at verses thirty-one to thirty-five. It, talks more about the robe. You shall make the robe uh, of the ephod of all blue, so a blue robe, and it shall have an opening for the head in the middle of it uh, with a woven uh, binding around the opening, like the opening in a garment, so that it may not tear. On its hem, you shall make purple you, you shall make pomegranates of blue and purple and scarlet yarns around its hem with bells of, of gold between them, a golden bell and a pomegranate and a golden bell and a pomegranate around the hem of the robe. And it shall be on Aaron when he ministers and, on, and, and its sound shall be heard when he goes into the holy place before the Lord and when he comes out so that he does not die. So over the tunic or coat is a blue robe with, with blue and purple and red uh, pomegranates um, embroidered or sewn into the the bottom hem of the robe. And, and yet alternating between the, the pomegranates are golden bells. And then above the robe, which we read in verses 6 through 14, um, is an ephod or vest we might even say and it's it's woven together with gold and blue and purple and red and and and, and yet on this vest on the shoulders of this vest are placed uh, two onyx stones and on each stone are tw- six of the names of the 12 tribes. So six over here and six over there, we're told, according to the birth order. And then, and then over that vest or that ephod is a, is a square-breasted plate. That's in verses 15 through 30. Let me go ahead and read that if I can. You shall make a breastplate Piece of judgment in skilled work, and in the style of the ephod, you shall make it of gold and blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine. Twined linen you shall make it. It shall be square and doubled in span, it, and, and a span its length and a span its breadth. Uh, Brett, you shall set it in four rows of stones. A row of sardis and topaz and car carnacle, uh, shall be the first row, and a s- second row shall be emerald and sapphire and diamond, and the third row shall be jathaneth and agath and emeryst, and in the fourth row shall be beryl and on, And jasper, and they shall be set in gold filigree, and there shall be twelve stones with the names according to the names of the sons of Israel, and they shall be like signets engraved with its name for the twelve tribes. And you shall make for the breast piece twisted chains like. Cords of pure gold, and you shall make for the breast piece two rings of gold, and put the two rings on the two edges of the breast piece, and you shall put the two cords of gold in the two rings at the edges of the breast piece, and the two ends of the two cords shall uh, attach to the two settings of the filigree, and so attach it in, the, in front to the shoulder pieces of the ephod. And you shall make two rings of gold, and put them at the two ends of the breast piece, and on the inside of the edge next to the ephod. And you shall make two gold rings and attached to them in front of the to the lower part of the two shoulder pieces of the ephod, and it seem above the skillfully woven band of the ephod. And they shall bind the breast piece by its rings to the rings of the ephod with a lace of blue, so that it may lie on the skillfully woven band of the ephod, so that the breast piece shall not come loose from the ephod. So Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel in the Breastpiece of judgment on his heart, when he goes into the holy place, to bring uh, to them to bring them to regular remembrance before the Lord. And in the breastpiece of judgment you shall put the ermine and the thermon, and they shall be on Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord. Thus Aaron shall bear the judgment of the people of Israel on his heart before the Lord regularly. Now, some of you are thinking, did you just do that? Did you just read all of that? I mean, you lost me at take your Bibles and turn to Exodus 28. Joe, you got video screens. Couldn't you have just put a picture up there for us? Yeah, I could have, and there would be nothing fundamentally flawed about a picture. It's a fast and quick way to absorb something. It's not that God is incapable of drawing us a picture. God meets with us in His Word. I don't know if you realize how the brain works. Some of you are wondering how my brain works. I'm not sure it does work, but supposing it does. You and I process stuff by seeing a picture. But the way the brain processes words and sentences and paragraphs and chapters is different than the way it processes things through a picture i find that fascinating god is capable of giving us a picture bible but he gives us a piece of literature and the way that the brain can marinate upon And meditate upon words that create a picture in our mind is vastly different than if we were to just flash a picture of that. I mean, I I get it. Having read that, you're now thinking, I need to go back and read that again until I get a picture in my brain as to what is he talking about? That's God's good design. He's given us a Word. He's given us His Word, not so that we could quickly flash through it once and say, ah, read that book, done with it. He's given us a Word with with a, a denseness to it that requires us, if we wish to seek Him and to know Him, that we we would read it again and again and again and again and again, that we wouldn't read it just simply to conquer it and check it off our, our book list and say we've read it, but that we would go back again and again and again. God desires that His Word be read slowly and thoughtfully and meditatively And and as we do that work of wrestling with words and sentences and chapters, then we hear God speaking to us. And we learn who this God is, and we learn a bit of who we are, and we learn a bit more about how it is that people like us can relate to God. I'm not saying it's wrong to pull up your your Google app and and type and, and look for the, the the picture of the of the priestly garments. I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm I'm just saying that the way your brain works upon that kind of display of information is very different than the way our brains work when when we have to do the hard work of trying to process what is being described here well, so verses 15 to 30 that, that, that mess that I just read uh, that that's over the vest or the ephod goes this square breasted plate and there's, and there's there's twelve stones, four rows of three, uh, shiny stones, beautiful stones, expensive stones, uh, and 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 yet the, that breastplate of those stones are, are placed over the heart with the, the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. I mean, there's, there's, the names are listed up here, and yet now the la- names are listed here. And, and already we begin to sort out that, that there's, there's something very personalized that's been going on here, that, that God operates with His people, not in a distant and aloof way, but in a very personalized and intimate and close way And the part of what he was trying to describe is then how is that breastplate attached? It's attached by gold chains that are are linked into that ephod or that vest that that had the stones up there on the shoulder. And then we could read on one more piece that I'll mention. It's, look look at verses 36 to 39, and you shall make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it like the engraving of a signet, holy to the Lord. And you shall fasten it on the turban by the the cord of blue and it shall be on the front of the turban and 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 it shall be on Aaron's forehead and Aaron shall bear any guilt from the holy things that the people of Israel consecrate as their holy gifts it shall regularly be on his forehead that that uh, that they may be accepted before the Lord and then verse 39, I read the first part already, you shall weave the coat of the checkerwork of fine linen. And then the second part of verse 38, you shall make a turban of fine linen, and you shall make the sash embroidered with the needlework. And so verse 39 talks about the turban, and yet verses 36 and 38 talk about the, the gold plate that goes on the forehead of the turban that declares the words, holy to the Lord. Now, there's much more that I could allude to, and, uh, and this is Mother's Day. I don't want, I don't want to give my, our mothers that glazed-over look here, uh, no more than I've already uh, so, uh, solicited. But l- let me move on and touch on some of the backstory, if you would, the design for these Priestly garments, these these very unusual, very uncommon, uh, not your everyday wear, both today and back then. And and, and yet, the very design of these garments uh, uh, is given to us through these words to paint these images in our minds and to inform our imaginations. Some things that are very important about the Lord about ourselves, and about how it is that people can draw near to the Lord and worship. And and the takeaway by these priestly garments is what we've already alluded to, and that is front and center in all of this is that a mediator is needed. A mediator who would do the work of making a sacrificial atonement. One who would represent the Lord, and I think that's found in the imagery of the golden plate on his forehead, his turban that says, holy to the Lord. In other words, I belong to the Lord is what that uh, represents, that he's been commissioned by the Lord to represent the Lord to Israel. And, And yet, the other part of that design is that both with the stones on the shoulders, with the names of the twelve tribes, and yet the stones on the breastplate near the heart of the priests, it also underscores that the priest is not just commissioned by God to represent the Lord to Israel, to his people, but he's also been commissioned by the Lord to represent the people back to the Lord. In other words, the high priest was to be functionally the mediator who would offer the sacrifices, who would shed the blood of animals in order to… To, to show and demonstrate that the guilt and the judgment of Israel's sins would be safely transferred to um, the sacrifices that the priest who represents the Lord and who represents the people to the Lord would be making. Now, now these arrangements, uh, this is kind of the kicker here. We, we've read all of this chapter, and now I'm going to tell you that everything we've read in this chapter uh, was provisional, temporary. And yet, how it helps us is it provides a, a, a preview of a better and lasting and permanent mediator and sacrifice. You see, this first or, or old covenant that we've been reading from uh, has become obsolete, and it has been replaced with a second or new covenant, which is an eternal covenant that the high priest in Israel who served at the discretion of the Lord God representing God to the people but also was commissioned by God to represent the people to God now finds its ultimate fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ that the very week the very work of the high priest in Israel who would bear, we're told in verse 38, bear the guilt of the people of Israel. But also in verse 30, who would bear the judgment of the people of Israel is now collapsed into the realities of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Or the quick and skinny of it is there's been a change of priesthood The Levitical priesthood of the old covenant has been replaced by the priesthood of Jesus Christ himself, who, as the Scriptures unfold, is the ultimate high priest, who is the true and final high priest. So, if I might parse out just a few of the ways in which the imagery of Exodus 28 finds its realization and its fulfillment in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Just like the high priest in Israel uh, was one who bore or carried uh, Israel on his shoulders and by so doing carrying the, the guilt and the judgment of Israel's sins on His shoulders. By the way, you remember Isaiah 9 tells us, and the government will be on His shoulders, speaking of the prophecies concerning the arrival of the Lord Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ will carry or bear um, the sins of His people. On his shoulders. And we we read in passages like 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, speaking of Jesus. It says, He himself bore our sins in his body. Or to parse that out a little bit more, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, where it says, And Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. And then it quotes the Old Testament, and it says, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Oh, the quite peculiar thing about the Lord Jesus Christ is he is the final, the true, the ultimate high priest, but he's not a high priest who would take a sacrifice and offer it Uh, uh, to the Lord. He is a high priest who becomes that sacrifice. At the cross, Jesus Christ does the work that was previewed in the shedding of the blood of animals in the old covenant. Jesus Christ becomes the true fulfillment of that sacrifice by the sacrifice of his own self. Here's what he does at the cross. He takes our sins And he goes to the cross carrying the guilt and the condemnation of our sins. And he sacrifices himself at the cross for us and for our salvation. I say us, and what I really mean by that is any who are here this morning who are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. That puts you in the category of us. It's an amazing thing that Jesus Christ didn't hang on the cross saying, boy, I hope this sure does somebody some good. It's a lot of work, but I don't know what the outcome is. No, as the angel announced to Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will uh, bear the sins of his people. There wasn't a vague uh, ooey gooiness as Jesus hung on the cross. Uh, we're told in Isaiah that our names were graven on his hands. Who's this for? Oh, yeah, Joe. So, have you turned to Christ? No, 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 no. I'm not saying, do you believe there was a guy who used to live? We read stories about him in the Bible. His name is Jesus, and he was a good teacher, great guy, died on the cross, and uh, he rose again. I, I, I'm not saying, do you have a category uh, that acknowledges the historicity of that? I'm saying, have you entrusted yourself right here this morning to this person that is true? Not just do you know true things about him, but have you turned to him? Have you entrusted your life to him? Are you a follower? Do you name the name of Jesus because he has named your name on the palm of his hands as he hung from the cross? Oh, turn to Jesus right now, right here. Turn to Christ, who is the only appropriate, true, ultimate sacrifice for our sins. Jesus Christ is the only course of action we have that people like you and I might be able to draw near to God, and that God would draw near to us, and that we not die in the process. Like the high priest who bore or carried uh, the sins of Israel on his shoulders, Jesus Christ is like the high priests of the old covenant as well, who bore the the names of the tribes of Israel on the breast piece over his heart. It reminds us that Jesus holds his people dear to him. And the writer of Hebrews goes on about this, but he says in one place in chapter 4, verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses. We have a high priest who carries our names upon his heart. that we are dear to him, that he has great affection for us, because he has made atonement for our sins, he loves us dearly and deeply, he's not, eh, Joe, you're bugging me, get away, no, he's like, Joe, come here. Get up on my lap. Let me hug you. Let me me draw you near to me. me. Let me quiet you with my singing before you. We have a God who cares about us in the deepest sorrows and struggles and afflictions of our lives because we have a high priest who has brought us near and dear to his heart. And then I'll close with this. And then we're done in Hebrews chapter 7 as it just keeps pushing and making the case of what the Lord Jesus has done for us in fulfillment of the work of the high priest who, on the one hand, uh, wore none of these fancy highfalutin garments that we've seen described here, who hung unclothed. And yet, even unclothed, he reflected perfectly the beauty and the glory and the holiness of God. Hebrews 7, verses 26 and 7 says this, "'For it is indeed fitting that we should have a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners,' and exalted above the heavens he has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily for the first for their own sins and then for the sins of the people since he did this once for all when he offered himself up for us once for all we don't gather to re-crucify Christ this morning We gather to celebrate that Christ has been crucified and what He did once as the perfect, sinless, spotless Lamb of God. It works. It still works. It it will always work. It will eternally work so that people like you and I could live in relationship with the God who made us. He made us to live in a relationship with him. And he has made a way for us to experience that relationship, and that's found through Jesus. Turn to Christ. Trust only in him. Father, thank you for your word. There's no word like your word. We thank you that you've imparted your word to us. We're grateful that you've spoken words to us words that we would grow and learn in our understanding of, that we might grow in our experience in relationship with you. And as we look at the function of the high priests, we are so grateful this morning to gather in the name of our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Father, may every heart and soul rely upon Jesus this morning. May he alter our lives. He he alone is suited and qualified so that we might be your well-loved children. We thank you for that, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.